All right, welcome back to the listener's commentary on 2 Corinthians. We're fairly early on in our study of the letter, and in this recording, we're going to be looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 12 through 22. And let's just set that in context. Even though we're early on, there still is an important context, both literary context as well as really situational or occasional context behind what Paul writes in this paragraph. And so, in the context of the letter, chapter 1, 1 through 11 functions as an introduction and greeting and a prologue that kind of introduces some of the key themes of the letter. Now here in this section in 1 verse 12, we begin the body of the letter. And this first main section of 2 Corinthians extends from here at 112 all the way through chapter 7. So that's the first main section of the letter. And the focus of this section from here till chapter 7 is on the integrity of Paul's ministry and Paul's approach to ministry. And there's going to be loads of insight from Paul's own testimony and example about ministry and life and all of that. So that's the focus of this big section. And recall from the backstory to the letter, all the tension and all the conflict that has plagued Paul's relationship with the Corinthians and how they had this falling out and there was all sorts of conflict and how uh, now at this point, a good majority of them have recommitted themselves to Paul and to his ministry. So what Paul begins doing here in chapter 1 verse 12 is he begins to explain his ministry to them. And he does so with one eye on that good majority who has come back around to him. And they're sort of in the foreground for much of it. And then he also has sort of the other eye just occasionally glancing at those who still aren't so sure about Paul, those who maybe are detractors of Paul. And so they're kind of in the background a little bit, but Paul occasionally says things in a certain way or says specific things directed at them. And so that's the way Paul is going to approach this explanation of, or sometimes called the defense of, his ministry. And here in these specific verses in this paragraph, 1, 12 through 22, Paul emphasizes that he's always acted in accordance with, in sync with, the grace of God in his relationship to them. That even included this problem of his travel plans that kept changing, which apparently was a real source of contention there in Corinth. We know from the end of uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 16 that Paul had some specific plans he mentioned there, and somewhere along the lines, those plans changed. And um, it seems like that the change was related to really two things. What was going on for Paul in Asia? He's across the Aegean and Ephesus in the region of Asia, and he has already said that he experienced a very difficult trial there. And so that seems to have affected his travel plans. But also the situation in Corinth and the deterior, uh, deteriorating relationship there, that has affected his travel plans. And so his detractors now, because of his change of plans, have started pointing fingers again and basically accusing Paul of being um, like speaking out of both sides of his mouth. He lacks integrity. You can't even trust his word. He makes these plans, then he changes them, all of that. And Paul's going to address this issue from here in 112 all the way into uh, the beginning of chapter 2. And that illustrates just how big of a deal 
this change of plans and the turmoil it caused in Corinth um, was for Paul and for the situation in his relationship with him. And so he's got to address that. And the main idea, even though Paul's going to speak very personally and relationally, there's all this background behind all this, right? The main idea that Paul is going to make here in this paragraph is that Paul's conduct has been holy and sincere. And that's true even concerning his travel plans. So his whole ministry has been really holy and sincere and according to the grace of God. Here's the way Paul states it in chapter 1, verse 12. He says, For our proud confidence is this. And that phrase, proud confidence, actually translates one word that oftentimes is translated boast. It's the idea of proudly rejoicing. This is what we can legitimately boast in. This is what we can be excited about. This is our proud confidence. This is our boast. And then he's going to give a statement that follows that of what his proud confidence is. And that statement almost operates like a thesis statement for Paul's defense of himself and his ministry here in the next seven chapters of 2 Corinthians. He says this, he says, our proud confidence is this, namely the testimony of our conscience. That is, our conscience is clear. That's what he means when he says our boast, our proud confidence is the testimony of our conscience. Now, what is, why is his conscience clear? Well, that's what he explains in the second half of verse 12. He says that in holiness and godly sincerity, not in fleshly wisdom, but in the grace of God, we have conducted ourselves in the world and especially towards you. And so his conscience is clear. Why? Well, because of his conduct. We've conducted ourselves in a certain way. And so our conscience is clear. Our, our conscience testifies clearly because of the way we have conducted ourselves, the way we have acted, the way we have carried out our life. That word conducted means our whole pattern or our whole manner of life is actually something that, that gives us a clear conscience. And what he says in between the testimony of our conscience and we have conducted is really how they've conducted themselves. So how have they done that? How have they conducted themselves? He specifies two things. First, that they've conducted themselves in holiness and godly sincerity. We've conducted ourselves in holiness and godly sincerity. Now, there is a little bit of a textual variation um, in this verse, and it's not totally clear. Actually, it's one of those where, hmm, was it this or was it that? And so you'll see some differences in the translations. And so some translations have the word holiness, like here. Some translations have a word that's translated like simplicity or uprightness. It's very little difference in Greek, and the meaning really doesn't change. The point is the same. Paul and his team have acted in the right way towards them. That's the idea. They have acted in a way that's holy or that's upright towards them with sincerity, he says, which speaks of not mixed motives, not mixed behavior, right? Like we've acted in the right way with sincerity from God. That's the idea of godly. Probably actually modifies both holiness and sincerity here. It just means from God. Like God's the source of our, our uprightness, our holiness, our sincerity in the way we've acted towards you. Not only that, he says, we've also conducted ourselves not in fleshly wisdom, but in the grace of God. That is, fleshly wisdom means the normal human ways of doing things. 
doublespeak, right? Posturing, self-serving. Um, maybe Paul's even alluding to some well-known philosophical traditions of the day, like the sophists who actually use their rhetorical prowess and powers to manipulate people and get whatever they wanted. And Paul's like, we didn't do that. We didn't operate according to the normal human ways of acting, but in the grace of God, uh, in or according to the grace of God, it's in and through God's empowering grace that we have acted towards you. And so that's how Paul has acted. That's why his conscience is clear. Then Paul goes on to assure them that this integrity applies to his letters, not just his personal interactions when he was with them, his ministry when he started the church. It also applies to his letters. So look at verse 13. He says, for we write nothing else to you than what you read and understand. And so the letters he sent them, which by now, we know is four letters. We only have two of them. First Corinthians and Second Corinthians are letters, um, actually number two and number four. But there's four letters, and what he's saying is, we write to you what you can read and understand. In other words, our letters are straightforward and clear and sincere. You can read them. You can understand them. There's no hidden agendas in our letters. There's no mixed motives in our letters. And he's hoping that they'll understand him and his ministry based on what everything is going to say in the next few chapters, that he's, that they'll understand him more completely. And so he says this, um, we, what we write to you is nothing else than what you read and understand. And I hope that you will understand until the end, just as you also partially did understand us. Um, that phrase, until the end, is a little bit unclear, but it's clarified by the beginning of verse 14, just as you also partially did understand us. Um, until the end could mean like all the way up until the end of our life, could mean that in English, but that's not what it means. It's contrasted with partially at the beginning of verse 14, and so it means completely. Um, the phrase in Greek could mean either one of those, like it could mean completely understand, or it could mean for a duration of time. And here it means completely. So I, Paul says, I hope that you will understand us completely, just as you partially did understand us. And then he says that we are your reason to be proud uh, as you are also ours on the day of the Lord Jesus. And what he's getting at by that is, is that, man, we want you to understand us. I know you partially understood us. We want you to completely understand us because of this, because we're your reason to be proud on the day that Jesus returns. And you're our reason to be proud. Like we're in this together and we helped you come to faith in Jesus. And so you're our reason to be proud. We're your reason to be proud. We, we should be on the same page. And so I really want you to, to understand us and to be on board with us and how we operate ministry. So Paul is explaining his integrity in ministry, that he operates this way with holiness and sincerity according to the grace of God. That's the way he operates. And now what he's going to do is he's going to take that operating principle and apply it to this issue of his changing travel plans. And his point is going to be that he wasn't vacillating when he changed his plans. He wasn't vacillating when he said one thing and then later adjusted those plans. And so notice the way he explains this in verse 15. He says, in this confidence, 
And the word translated confidence there is not the same word that was translated proud confidence up above. This word means something more like persuasion or assurance or something like that. It's in this persuasion, in this way of operating is kind of the force of that. So in this this confidence, this persuasion of operating uh, with this clear conscience, I intended at first to come to you so that you might twice receive a blessing. That is, he's going to explain that he was going to come to them and they would get the blessing two times of hosting him and being a partner with him in ministry and supporting his ministry and and interacting. And so that was his original plan was that he was going to come to them twice. And so he says, so that you might twice receive a blessing. And then he specifies verse 16. That is, to pass your way into Macedonia, and then again from Macedonia to come back to you, and then by you be helped on my journey to Judea. And so Paul's currently over in Ephesus, and his original plans, he says, were to sail across the Aegean to Corinth, spend some time with them, and then being kind of sent out by them after being refreshed and encouraged by them, north into Macedonia, which was north of Uh, Corinth, spend some time in Macedonia, and then come back down to Corinth, spend some more time with them, and then sail from there over to Judea, which is where Jerusalem is in the eastern Mediterranean. That's what he had originally planned, Um, but those plans changed. Now, there's a lot of different ways of sorting out all Paul's travel plans and interactions with the Corinthians. I actually have a document in the study hub that Uh, tries to put the information from Acts and 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians and some of Paul's other letters together so that we can understand a little bit of Paul's travel and interactions with them. It's a little bit complicated and there's various ways of doing it, but I've got my best attempt there in this document, the study hub. If you want more details, you can check that out. But that's the idea here is that he was going to sail to them, go north into Macedonia, come back, and then sail over to the eastern Mediterranean to where Jerusalem is. Uh, and that changed. And now Paul appears, at least to some of them, who question him already and you know kind of look down on him already, Paul appears to be very wishy-washy, speaking out of both sides of his mouth. I mean, you just can't trust what the guy says. And he's going to explain in the in the first part of chapter two, in very clear relational terms, what led him to change those plans. Um, But what he does here first is he gives sort of a theological rationale that guides his whole approach. So look at verse 17. He says, therefore, I was not vacillating when I intended to do this, was I? That's been the accusation, right? He's vacillating. He's wishy-washy. Can't trust him. Or what I decide, do I decide according to the flesh so that with me there will be yes, yes, and no, no at the same time, right? Like Paul's being accused of being fickle. And, you know, he says one thing means something else, right? He changes his mind based on his circumstances or based on what's convenient or how he's feeling at the moment. And you just can't count on the guy. And Paul says, uh, do I decide things according to the flesh? That is, according to the fallen human way of doing things. He's just set up above that he doesn't operate that way, that he's, he's got a clear conscience that he doesn't operate according to fleshly wisdom, but according to the grace of God. And so he says, do you really think even when it comes to my travel plans that I decide these things, the, the normal human fallen sort of way of doing things? Well, no, Paul doesn't do that. And so that's the accusation that he lacks integrity. And, and he noticed 
the phrase at the end, so that with me there will be yes, yes, and no, no. I mean, that almost echoes Jesus's words in the Sermon on the Mount, like, let your yes be yes, and your no be no, Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount. Paul's like, look, I act with complete integrity. I act the way Jesus taught me to act, not according to the flesh. Uh, And so he goes on in verse 18, and he answers his own rhetorical question by saying that his integrity is actually based on God's character. That's what guides him, and that's what grounds him. And so he says in verse 18, But as God is faithful, our word to you is not yes and no. Um, it's, almost like, it's almost like an oath, like a statement of assurance based on God's trustworthiness. That Paul operates before God. Paul operates under God. That's his accountability. That's his standard. So just as God is true and trustworthy and faithful, so too is Paul. That's his point. And how faithful is God? Well, God's so faithful that he's kept all his promises. Just look at Jesus. That's where Paul goes in verses 19 and 20 to to that point. Like, how faithful is God? Well, look at Jesus. And so he says this in verse 19. For the Son of God, Notice four. He's explaining God's faithfulness in verse 18. For the Son of God, Christ Jesus, who was preached among you by us, by me and Silvanus. That's another, uh, that's the long version of Silas's name. So Silas and Timothy was not yes and no, but has been yes in him. Paul and his ministry team came preaching Jesus. That's it. Jesus and him crucified. Said that in 1 Corinthians. And Jesus isn't yes and no. This is how they can know that Paul's ministry has integrity. It centers on Jesus, and Jesus isn't yes and no. In fact, Jesus is yes. In fact, verse 24, as many as the promises of God are, In him, that is in Jesus, they are yes. Everything that God ever promised finds its culmination in and its fulfillment in Jesus. God has kept his word. God is that faithful uh, that he kept all his promises in Jesus Christ. Therefore, second half of verse 20, through him also is our amen to the glory of God through us. The amen means amening God's work in worship, right? In the middle of worship, we amen. We say, that's true. That's right. Uh, In worship, back to God through him. That is through Jesus um, to God's glory. And so all of God's promises reach their fulfillment in Jesus. That's how faithful God is. And Paul is saying, that's our basis. That's our standard for operating is God's faithfulness. That's our accountability, is God's faithfulness. The center of our message is Jesus, and he is like the ultimate expression of God's faithfulness. So, uh, Paul is really laying out the beginning foundation for his integrity in ministry. So, he concludes this section by saying in verse 21 and 22, Now, he who establishes us with you in Christ and anointed us is God. Who, is, who also sealed us and gave us the Spirit in our hearts as a pledge. And so God is the one who establishes Paul and his team. That's the us there. God is the one who uh, anointed us and set us apart for this ministry, right? Like the us here is Paul and his ministry team, and God's the one that sent them and established them. God's the one who sealed us 
and gave us the spirit in our hearts as a pledge. The idea of pledge is down payment. Like we have the down payment of the spirit. And so Paul and his team and really all of us in Christ, we are sealed with the spirit as a pledge. We are marked as belonging to God. And since in Paul's case here, since Paul and his team belong to God, God's the standard and Paul is operating with complete integrity before him. Now, before we leave this section and wrap it up, just a little reflection. I like what George Guthrie in his commentary points out with regard to this section. Even though it's about Paul and his ministry, and so much of what we're going to read over the next few chapters focuses on that, there's lessons for us. And this particular passage, uh, Paul has a lot to say about his integrity. And this passage, therefore, has a lot to say to us concerning how we use our words particularly in the context of ministry and the context of the gospel, how we use our words and how integrated is our integrity. Um, how do we make our plans? Do we do it in self-serving ways or do we do it under God, according to God's faithfulness, uh, according to the grace of God? That's the heart of what Paul is getting at here. And, and it really sets a challenge for us is how how settled is our integrity? How rooted in the example of God's faithfulness is our integrity? Are we trustworthy? When we make plans, when we say things, can people count on us? And in Paul's case, um, yes, he changed his plans, but there's good reasons for it. And in the next section, we'll look at uh, some of the details as to why he changed his plans. Hey, thanks for checking out this session on the Listener's Commentary. The Listener's Commentary is a listener-supported, crowd-funded Bible teaching ministry that's made possible by the generosity of tons of people just like you. So to all of you who make this ministry possible, thank you so much for your support. The impact you're having is worldwide, and it wouldn't be possible without your uh, your kingdom vision and your generosity. So thanks a ton for your support. And if you have been impacted in any way by this ministry, would you prayerfully consider uh, joining the team of supporters? You can do so by going to listenerscommentary.com, clicking the give button, and you can put in a dollar amount right there. And then you can check the little box that says, make this a monthly donation, or you can give a one-time donation as well. Uh, all monthly donors get access to the study hub with additional resources and all of that. And all those donations come in through a partner organization called World Family Mission, a, a registered nonprofit. So thanks a ton for your support.